Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. Today, we are interviewing Benny Perez. I met him working on Tinner by Night, which I'm sure you guys have seen all the pictures all over Facebook and Instagram because I take lots of them. Uh, Benny is an actor and a director, was on cruise ships for a number of years, and now back in L.A. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, seriously. No. No, Stop. Stop. No, thank you. Okay. Hi. How are you, Stacey? (laughs) I I carry my own audience with me wherever I go. True actor. Good job. (laughs) So how did you get into theater? And then from there, how did you get into doing cruise ships? That's kind of a little niche that yeah yeah that cool. that you know the cruise ship thing happened almost purely by accident but let me go back a little further when i was in high school i was trying to figure out what elective to take in my freshman year and i had always liked music and i had always been drawn to music but circumstances being as they were it, you know it wasn't a viable thing so i went to talk to the choir director at my high school los altos high school in hacienda heights and i uh, spoke to the choir director and he said uh why don't you sit at the piano with me and we started doing scales and I sang them back like a parrot. I obviously had an ear for music. Wow. From in high school, I joined the men's choir, the acapella choir, the singing, dancing production choir. Uh, um, I learned to play bells. I learned to play guitar. Music just absolutely enveloped my last three years of high school. Uh, and then after that, I went to Citrus College, which was almost like an extension of what I had done in high school. It was a college production, uh, excuse me, a college program that was very involved, very intense, lots of performances, lots of music to learn, lots of dancing. Um, once I left that uh it, They still program, have a pretty big uh, they, performing pro- arts, not performing arts, but uh, like show choir competitions. The progr- yes, the, the program is still extraordinary under the direction of Doug Austin, who took over from my maestro, Ben Bollinger. This was in the mid 80s and uh yeah they do three production shows three giant shows a year like a christmas show uh, a, a stage musical and then like a pop show which is usually like broadway flavored and then in the summer they go to they tour one year they'll tour europe do classical music the next year they'll go to hawaii and do pop music around the islands and it just alternates and wow. it's still that's a great it's program an incredible and it's a junior college it's an incredible program i was very lucky to be a part of that so a few years out of that i just went to an audition one day and i thought oh god a cruise ship what but i <laughs> they liked me and they asked me to stay and dance and then i ended up uh being a singer on ships uh, about six months out of the year uh, for 16 years, from 95 to 2011. Yeah, wow. It was a good job. You know, you got paid well. You saw the world. I, I had to perform so much music. There was like books and books and books of stuff to learn. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but it was it was strange doing one show on Monday and then another show on Wednesday and then another show on Friday, having to retain it all, you know, and it was a lot. It was a lot but I, I enjoyed remember it very much. the tracks of what outfit am I wearing exactly. and what is the choreography? <laughs> what do I and... preset and where, where do I go and what and what song is this and who am I dancing with? Yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a lot to remember. What cruise ship or cruise it line? Was, did it was it Princess change? Cruise Lines. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's and our parents favorite is it they would really? go on princess all the time did they, they go to alaska or the caribbean or the uh the panama canal um they've done alaska but i don't remember if it was princess they did to alaska but they've been into the alaska one uh the caribbean a couple times the mexican cruises a couple mm-hmm. times forget if they did the hawaii one or they're just talking about doing i the did hawaii all one. those itineraries i did the caribbean the panama canal i love the mexican riviera out of san pedro here out of that's Los what Angeles. a lot of people say that well that you don't fly you'd never fly you join the ship here somebody drops you off and then a week later they pick you up and there's no flight at all involved you know and i did alaska i did hawaii many times um i didn't get to go to europe and south america much but um and I went once to Japan on the ships, but mostly it was around the United States, in and around the United States, North America. So how many, uh, the shows that I've seen, I've only been on two cruise ships, mm-hmm. are the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. They have four or five people and they change all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom and, and mother-in-law, when they go on the big ships, they talk about the 
massive oh, they're, production. They're grand. They're 20 super people grand. Yeah. and scene changes and costume racks that just circle everything. Mm-hmm. They have electronic fly spaces and they have state of the art light. I mean, I this is the first time I became obsessed with lighting on stage when I saw <laughs> the, the 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 moving uh, lights that they had rented on the ship when we installed a show. If they had to put more lights in due to the to the, the what whatever the show requirements were, I couldn't believe the the technology and how it had flown forward. You know, year after year after year. Uh, in in lighting on the ships but they had hydraulics uh underneath they had they had trap doors they had um uh, hydraulic sets moving in and out on trucks um yeah they were pretty they're pretty pretty amazing on the ships it's not i think if you get a smaller ship maybe like a 800 passenger it's just going to be like a wooden thrust stage Mm -hmm. and people will bring set pieces out a table a chair and they'll do they'll do like a shower curtain those are the ones i mean i was on bigger ships but those are the ones that i've seen it's like Four dancers and four singers, mm-hmm. and there's maybe one costume change, and there's no <laughs> set. And I'm like, damn it! I want the big, fantastic shows on a ship. But I guess those those are bigger ships with more money. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's 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 all about it's all about the size of the of the, the venue and how how many passengers there are. Like the ships that I was working on, two thousand, three thousand passengers. It was a lot of people. So we had our theaters had to be outfitted for at least an audience of fifteen hundred, twelve hundred. So that we could do two shows and the majority of the passengers could see it that night. Yeah. Yeah, they pretty... were always crowded when we were going yeah, to see shows. Yeah. So then if you're doing shows every other night, what do you do the rest of the time you're on the ship? Oh, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I say what's funny is when I was on the ship, what I noticed was like our entertainment group was two male singers, two female singers, four male dancers and six female dancers. And we did like... A Broadway show, a rock and roll show, a country show, a Rat Pack show, uh, a mm-hmm. divas show, etc. Whatever uh, was required, and um, a lot of times they hired young people. The dancers were hired young from Australia, from Canada, America, England. You know, pretty fresh out of college, so they were young. A lot of them slept all day and drank all night after the shows. You know, it was like <laughs> that was kind of like what you did there. There's, but but I think the great thing about ships is it's an opportunity to go away. If you want to work on your body, if you want to work on a, on a screenplay, if you want to work on um, uh, improving yourself, if you want to read books, if you want to, if you want to, you know, get off every day. And so we, we, the only duties that I had were the, a sound check at six, a show at eight and a show at 10. Once our shows were all like um, rehearsed in and we had we had done a handover from the last cast. But, um, yeah, you had a lot of free time on your hands as an entertainer. We didn't have to do drills we didn't have to do shuffleboard we didn't we were strictly hired as entertainers on the ship so there was a lot of free, you could you could utilize that time very wisely or you could sleep all day and drink all night i mean sometimes that did happen to a lot of crew members just because you're trapped in a floating hotel for more than six months that's so. yeah two weeks or even one week <laughs> i'm like i've been to every bar i tried every drink i've eaten at every restaurant i don't know what else to do i can't get off of here i enjoyed the repetition i didn't i'm i'm one of those people that like i knew what my cabin was going to be like i knew what the shows were going to be like i had been the i had been on the itineraries before so i knew where all the good restaurants were i didn't mind and if we were in like the Caribbean or we were in Alaska, I had phone service. So I was really, I could go ashore and do emails and have one of my favorite meals. I could call friends and my mom and check in with everybody. I didn't feel quite so, uh, but at the beginning in 95, we did not have the luxury of that. It was, it was like the Flintstones. We had like you know, $50 <laughs> for a, for a 50 word telex. They're like, what, what to Western? What? It was crazy. It was. Yeah. yeah. And now everyone's like, Oh, I don't have internet in the middle of the ocean. What <laughs> you am I do, but do? it's a lot of money. It's, it's like a lot of money. $10 an hour or whatever it is. Yeah. So, so things have Thank, thank goodness things have changed, but, uh, I think I was there in like the golden age of cruising. I, I when I started in '95, it was very elegant. It was like it was like it was almost like you imagine the love boat or the Titanic to be. And the funny thing is, is that they used to have midnight buffets, and they used to have every night they had a fish buffet or a pasta buffet or a chocolate fantasy or and every single night when there was a formal night, like on usually like the second and the next to last night of the cruise, everybody dressed up in formal gear, mm-hmm. tuxedos and evening gowns and etc. And now because passengers don't want to have to deal with that sort of thing. Oh, I don't want to dress up on a formal night. You know, people people go very, very casual and they dress however they want, whenever they want, which is kind of took away a little of the, I don't know, wearing wearing nice clothes two nights a week on a ship is not, you know, it's not asking a lot, but. It's, it's more packing, I know, but 
yeah, the the two cruises I've been on were with uh, Kai's family, and they, I'm pretty sure his mom goes on a cruise two or three times a year mm-hmm. <laughs> if she can. So um, <laughs> some people absolutely adore it. Yeah. yeah. So it was required that we ate dinner as a family every night in the sit down reserve. <laughs> we had the same waiters every time. They knew who we were. The boys, the uh, kids, had their mac and cheese served before they had to ask for it. And we had to do the formal nights because then we would have to go do the pictures and mm-hmm. the family pictures the and things routine. like that. Some people just didn't like how regimented cruising was. So I think some other cruise on I can't. I think it might have been Norwegian developed freestyle cruising. And then everybody kind of followed suit, like, oh, you don't have to eat dinner at 8 and see the show at 10, or eat dinner at 6 and see the show at 8. You can go to dinner, you know, at 5.15 in the, in the buffet, and then yeah. go and listen to music from 7 to 9. But, you know, you did what you wanted. There's the, the nightlife is kind of limited there. You can see a production show. You can watch the party bands. You can uh, listen to the string quartet, or you can go to the casino, or you can go to the spa, or you go to the cigar bar. There's, there's, there's a lot of options, but some people just want, well, you know, sometimes they want to sit on a book. Maybe sit sit on deck seven on the promenade deck and read a book and you know stay away from everybody. It's 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 all up to you. It's it's great. It was a great experience. I don't regret a moment of it. I loved traveling and making money and being <laughs> you know not to spend much when you're on a no, boat. No, well, I mean the cool thing is you could be really really smart about that. You could pocket your money, you know, take out fifty dollars out of the bank or a hundred dollars out of the bank and use that for all your goodies all week. You know, to pay your bar bill, to go ashore and have taquitos, to to to, to bring back a t-shirt for somebody. But most of them, your 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 room and board was paid for the room was free the buffets were all free you know the laundry was free i mean i i didn't i unless you bought a bunch of things from the places that you went you could really you could really save money on that you could come back with five figures like i normally did and did whatever i wanted for six months worked on the ship for six months came back home and had a, a bit of freedom to, to do theater or not do theater to go to new york or not go to new york to go to london for a week or not i i enjoyed I enjoyed the autonomy that that money gave me. But it was a huge sacrifice to go out there for six months. Yeah, you miss holidays and birthdays. Yeah. But luckily I had I had friends that wanted to, to take cruises. So they would fly out to one of our ports. I'd get them on for about $15 a day. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was pretty nice. cool. Nice. <laughs> Everybody wanted to be your friend, I bet. <laughs> yeah, they did. It's A lot of people, t- my sister took advantage of it a lot. She She came out on cruises probably like 20 times in all those years. She did. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Know somebody on staff, know where you're going, it's know true. where to get off the She got her own cabin, you know, she could, you know, she could hang out with me or she could you know, uh, or sit on the promenade deck and read her book. Yeah, she did go in the casino. It was yeah, it was it was a great and it was a great cheap vacation. All she had to do was pay for her airfare and $15 a day as my passenger. It was sweet. Yeah, was considering really sweet. you guys stop all over the place, she could fly anywhere depending on whatever time of the year or what true. stop you're in. True. True. Yeah, we're kind of jealous, uh, not jealous, we're kind of spoiled here, San Pedro and oh, yeah. and LA. You don't even have to fly. We can get on half the cruise ships. Well, just my, my Hawaiian itineraries would be like out of San Pedro and we would go five days at sea, five days through the island and then five days back. So it was about a two week cruise. The, the clientele was considerably older because mm-hmm. they can take two weeks off or Panama Canal cruise from San Pedro to Fort Lauderdale. They were considerably older, but when we were doing the seven-day Mexican Riviera to Mazatlan, Puerto Vallarta, and Cabo, yeah, my parents um, have done that one a couple times. And my Acapulco, yeah, and those were mostly young people. They were people between the ages of forty and sixty because they wanted warm weather. They wanted they were a little more agile, and you know, one week on, and then and then they're and they're back home without any flights. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. I do miss it. I do. It was a good life, but the the unfortunate thing is it keeps you out of these circles like the circle that you and i met in i mean like i found i was in new york auditioning for a production of evita in connecticut and i saw on um playbill.com or broadway world auditions for a musical in buena park and i was like what yeah a musical what's in buena, in buena park exactly. <laughs> not so, fairy farm it's about so, all you do down there so i emailed amy and and then i i got this uh this position in this show as assistant director and as the role of carrie and uh when you're on a ship you don't you don't get exposed to these uh individual uh uh productions that are being done around Southern California, you're, you're so out of, you know, you're so out of it. People don't know who you are and you come yeah, back. And you live in the cruise ship world, which I'm true. sure you know a bunch of the cruise ship people, but well, of course. they're not all the same but people. But cruise ship work only begets more cruise ship work. Whereas mm-hmm. here you, 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 you run in the circle of the artistic community in Southern California, whether you're doing a show in, you know, in the Valley or you're doing a show in North Hollywood or in Orange County or in Los Angeles area, you get to know people better. 
So then after 16 years, why did you decide to leave the cruise ship world and, and come back to the mainland full time? I probably, you ever heard that phrase, I've stayed too long at the fair? <laughs> I probably stayed too long at the fair. It, it probably, I, I discovered the job at 30 and left when I was 46, 16 years. But I think at some point I noticed people who were older getting like, quote, let go from the company, you know. And then I thought, oh, God, if I keep staying and staying. So all my contacts up until 2009 were really sweet. I loved the people that I was working with. I loved the itineraries. It was great. And then somehow in 2010 and 2011, my last two years there, I just started noticing a lot of things changing. The company had been bought by Carnival, mm-hmm. which is kind of a lower end cruise line. Which I thought was interesting that Carnival brought bought Princess instead of the it other was way around. all just about becoming the biggest cruise line out there. If they When they acquired Princess, it became the biggest so I, a lot of people don't know, Carnival bought 51% of Princess's shares in a hostile takeover. Wow. And that, so, so Princess became absorbed into Carnival and Carnival under the umbrella of Carnival and Princess and blah, blah, blah. You know, eight other cruise lines became the biggest conglomerate of, uh, of cruise lines in the world. Um, I just started noticing young people being a lot more whiny about the job. Oh, this itinerary is boring. This costume looks makes me look fat. Oh, the shows are stupid. And I just was so like, I'm getting too old for this. I don't, I, I, I don't, this is not a professional. Though, though you're hired as a singer and as a dancer and a performer on a ship, there are no union rules at all to cover anybody as far as behavior or as, you know, some people, I saw some people doing terrible things and getting taken off our ship and putting on another one. Just because it was, they're already trained. They already absolutely. It's the it's the it's, the it's the inconvenience of replacing somebody. So I think in 2010 and 2011, I was hired with some really uh, <laughs> diplomatic, some really unfortunate human beings, <laughs> and I just thought this is not for me. I need to you know I need to get out of here. But I enjoyed the money. So I think what happened was I started saying to myself, man, I should, probably should have stayed here like 10 years and then just like moved on. But the funny thing was, is that once I left the cruise line, I made a decision. I luckily, by the by, the light of the stars, got jumped two days later into an audition for the tour of In the Heights, the second national tour of In the Heights. Wow. Eleven days later, they hired me. And a month and a half later, I was in New York <laughs> City with Alex Lacamoire and Tommy Kale and Lin-Manuel Miranda and Andy Blankenbuehler. And I pinched me because a lot of people uh, in cruise lines, they take about a year to get your quote land legs you're you're so out of the circle you're so out of the community that you don't you don't know what's going to happen once you leave cruise line. nobody knows who you are yeah nobody knows who you are and you've been doing good work and your voice is up and you got money in the bank but you don't really have any land credits you know from the valley to, to new york or to orange county or to la county nobody knows who you are so you have to Every time you come back from a cruise ship contract you sort of reestablish yourself and some some organizations they want to reject you two and three times before they'll actually give you a job you know that they're like oh i remember that person yeah i'm not getting a job this time and then the next time they see you so it's Hmm. it's weird sometimes uh knocking on the door the third time finally lets you in that's that's just what happens sometimes but um i was really lucky i was really fortunate when i left the cruise line that i jumped right into a, a tour you know within a month and a half it was it was beautifully serendipitous yeah. And and the, the absolute thing that changed in my life. I tell friends that like, that's when I saw the turning of the wheel. I was so unhappy. And the cruise line didn't want to hire me again. That was the end of like 2011. It was July. And they weren't offering me another contract in a few months. And I knew, oh, oh my God, I'm too old and I'm making too much money. It was ageism and wageism, which you experience in every, in every industry. But when you're somebody that's been there loyal, loyal, loyally performing and trouble-free for 16 years in this company. This is how I'm handed my hat. So it was an unfortunate thing. But when one door closes, many windows open. A lot of people don't realize that. So leaving the cruise line, turning my back on it, and then walking away two days after leaving the ship, auditioning, and then 11 days later getting hired for the tour was like the best thing that happened to me. It was the universe saying, you've, you've, you've been there You're good. You're enough. <laughs> you've done that enough. And the traveling and the money is fine and, and wonderful, but there are new roads to to travel. And uh, and it really did. I mean, like since doing that tour in the Heights from 2011 to 2012, I've performed as Kevin in six regional productions in Southern California, in, in, uh, in the United States and directed three here in Southern California. So the, the show has changed my life. And then, of course, because of Hamilton's popularity, 
uh, Heights is written by the same person who wrote Hamilton, the same mm-hmm. creative team. Um, and so the popularity of the show has, has been a real boon to me and to the projects that I have been uh, involved with. Everybody's excited about, oh, what, did, what else did Lin-Manuel Miranda write? Well, he wrote Heights, yeah. you know, in 2008. <laughs> Which did take off and do quite well. And it did. It did. It did. In the theater community, I knew about it. I High haven't school seen and it, colleges but... have really sucked that show up and like used it in their repertory because it's, it's rap and hip hop. It's modern. And it's about a little community. And most of the characters are young. They're all, you know, they, you, I've seen great high school and college productions of In the Heights all over, you know, Orange County and, and, and Southern California and L.A. County, too. But the cool thing is the universe said, you've had enough of that cruising. Let's let's go do a national tour of these guys who are going to blow up in 2016. You know, the four guys who I worked with, Blankenbuehler, Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, uh, Tommy Kale and um, Alex Lacamoire. I, I was I had to pinch myself. What am I doing here in New York City? With yeah. these four guys and uh, it was it was spectacular it really really was a very a very fast we rehearsed six days a week for two weeks two and a half weeks and then we went down to clemson south carolina to tech the show the uh, company that had set up the tour had gotten uh clemson's theater theater department to build the set and to run the lighting and stuff like that so it was it was a great experience and then we went embarked on an eight-month tour which wasn't as grand as like the two and a half year first national tour but still the things that it exposed me to the people and the experiences were were invaluable and and you know i i i i some some people suffer from leaving the ship and not getting their quote land legs and uh, you know you like i know people who leave the ships and then go to move to vegas and they can't get work for a year the husband's a musician the wife's a dancer or etc and they're doing you know they're doing traditional jobs to, to, to make ends meet before somebody hires them into uh you're new to town like so so mm-hmm. I didn't have to go through that period. And thank goodness that the In the Heights production that I, the tour that I did uh, allowed me to get cast in six regional productions around the U.S. and direct three productions here in Southern California. Yeah. So it's been it's been a it's been a life changer without a doubt. The show. So. And so soon afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're kind of like, OK, great. I get to take it. Nope. Not a vacation. But, you know, <laughs> well, I, I, this one thing I have to say is like I know a lot of women. Uh, performers who are in their 30s, their late 20s, their early 30s. And we always say that like in the theater, well, in film and TV too, that you, there's two ages. There's Jennifer Lawrence and Angela Lansbury. Like which one are there's And it's that yeah. middle ground. Yeah. And I think for me, working on the ships from 95 to 20, uh, 2011, which was 16 years, from the ages of 30 to 46, that was my dead middle years. I wasn't a chorus boy. I wasn't the dad. I wasn't a character actor, really. So I just went out there and I sang and performed. And and now when I came back at 46, these all these roles are opening up to me that like I did I wasn't able to play at 30. So the same yeah. thing for women. You kind of, if you're 35 years old and you read 50, play those 50-year-old roles. You'll work for 20 years, you know? It's, yeah. it's a it's a it's a tough thing to be in that middle age in entertainment where nobody knows what to do with you. Well, you're not a chorus boy or chorus girl. You're too old for the ingenue, but you're not old enough to play the mom or the dad or the grandpa. So, so I was really fortunate that that job came along, and uh, and gave me experience, kept my muscles up, allowed me to travel. I had money in the bank. The cruise ship job is a it's a great thing. I don't know if it's great now. Things have changed so much since I started. It's it's like night and day. Have you been back on the ship to uh, watch anybody else perform? I, I haven't. I'm actually really, I, I'm actually really eager to take a cruise. I think it would be really, really fun. I would. I I know I would get that sense of like you know when you're in a workplace and you're not working and you're like. <laughs> <laughs> there's doors over there i know what i can do over exactly there. that's what's the going on that's the cast only door that i can't go through now yeah it would, it would be a little frustrating to not to not to not have a a, a venue to work at I, you know i'd be i would be a little bored actually to be honest <laughs> all that free time with it's nothing a, to it's do. a fun vacation though you know you're really well taken care of i realize that after all those years if you're okay with like unpacking once and like you know the ship take a floating hotel taking you from place to place to place uh, it's really great. But if you're an adventurer, if you want to hike, if you want to taste the nightlife, if you want to do your own thing on your own time ashore, it's the cruising is not, it's, it's way more regimented than even, even freestyle cruising is regimented. Yeah. yeah. You still have to be on the boat at a certain time. Mm-hmm. I know when, uh, Kai and I went to Alaska with his family. Yeah. It was like, we're in port for four hours. 
what the hell am I going to see in four hours? <laughs> I can barely get off the cruise ship in downtown and eat dinner and then I have to be back. That's when you hire a local taxi and you don't carry any valuables with you ashore. You say, take me to your favorite restaurant. Take me to a beautiful place where I can catch a view or like where there's no tourists and you're on your own without without being shoved into a bus with 50 other people yeah you know I, that's what i learned from the cruise line it was it was wonderful i would go to central american or south american countries or mexico and the passengers were all f- afraid to go on a on a um on a a, 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 a tour ashore that wasn't sanctioned by the ship yeah you know because all the horror stories exactly, what if you get lost what if they exactly. don't make it back on what time they're going to kill you, you. Well, it's like the thing is, is that like w- me and five of my friends would pay a local taxi driver who who needed work, and we'd say, "Just take us to your local, your favorite beach where there's no passengers. Take us to your favorite restaurant where there's really, really good food, and then come pick a come pick us up in two and a half hours." And mm-hmm. we had an amazing time. But if you don't chance that, you don't you don't get that experience. You mm-hmm. have to, you you're carted into a bus with fifty other people and and fed whatever they say and and shown whatever they want you to see you know the the, the so yeah i, the I loved routine. that's what i loved being a little adventurer uh in the in, on the cruise lines because you could because you could be you know yeah that's definitely what what we would do <laughs> at least yeah if we ever traveled again together <laughs> twin and I. I we have to travel again together you're like the best person to travel with because you do all the like you like all the same things i like yeah, years of traveling together. <laughs> Where's your favorite place that you've been? Uh, together, we lived in London for four and a half months. Wow. Um, I love that city. We would have never left if they would have allowed it, but university, you have to come home after they, one they, semester. They like, pushed us onto the, uh, into the van. They're like, no, you have plane tickets. Like, you have to go home. expect you to come home. No. Like a dog going to the vet. No, no, yeah. no. Don't make me go back to America. I don't want to be there. Uh, yeah. So when we were over there for four and a half months, we every other weekend, because we only took classes Monday and Tuesday, oh. which left five days a week to go travel. Wow. So we saw every show we could, every <laughs> castle, every museum. We were in Germany three times because we have a sister out there. We went to Paris for a week. Like, Isn't it amazing how easy it is to get, like Victoria right? Station, the under We were right, we channel. were what, three or four blocks away from uh, Victoria Station. Victoria, yeah. We were right next to Buckingham. We were downtown. We could London get everywhere. Probably my favorite part out of like all of the cities we traveled to, like as much as I loved every other city, London's still probably my favorite. Yeah. It's, it's exceptional. It really is. All the art the art there and like the You could go to the museums and... for free anytime you wanted yeah. and see Michelangelo's paintings mm-hmm. right there up close for free. <laughs> it's it Did was you amazing. get tickets at um Leicester Square, the half price? Those are the TKTS of London. Uh sometimes how did we do it? Sometimes we same day half price online. tickets. Sometimes we went to the box office to you know the day of, of to check tickets for there. I don't I don't remember now. Twin was in charge yeah, of most of that. Remember. I miss Marks and Spencer. That was my favorite thing. I loved Marks and Spencer. It was a little shop that sold clothes, and they had a food hall, and like it was just, it was just awesome. It was yeah, and everyone was like, that. "London's expensive." We probably spent less over there because. Like, we didn't eat much meat at the time. So without much meat, you can eat pasta and dairy oh, yeah. and veggies uh-huh. for cheap. You could. Uh, we were getting three-month passes on the tube, so we could go almost anywhere for pennies. Wow. And since we were students, we got the discount. Uh, we always traveled fairly light. And you can... I think we went to Germany once for, like, $15. Yeah. Because it was basically a free flight. Yeah, at least. And then we just had to pay the taxes... And you just show up two hours early, you do the whole walk out on the tarmac and carry your own luggage in. And we were like, whatever, $15, <laughs> I'm going to flight. Germany. <laughs> exactly. I love the pub culture, too, of the UK, whether you're in England, Ireland, Scotland, or Wales. Like, we don't, we have Starbucks, which is sort of our pub culture. But everyone's on their phone. Everyone's on their phone. Everyone's got their face buried in a, in a screen. But the pub culture is so, I don't know, it's just, it, it, it promotes camaraderie it promotes socializing mm-hmm. uh you know it it's it's something that i really i wish we had mastered here it, it, it there are there are pockets of pubs here all over southern yeah. california but or the local coffee shops where people yeah. gather but it's not as, it's, as well known it's not it's also not. the theater scene everybody thinks of the west end 
Uh, we saw a couple of the storefront theaters, the bar theaters, where mm-hmm. they were just in the back. That's a huge thing over there. There's or theaters like on every corner. There was one also where, like, there was a pub downstairs, and there was, like, a tiny pub upstairs, but you, like, yeah, you went up this, like, back weird staircase, and then there was, like, a 50-seat theater. <laughs> yeah, but they did great work. We were at the of National course. a couple times. Uh, yeah, we there was hardly a week that went by that we weren't at some theater watching some show, because it's a 10-minute walk. Why not? Like <laughs> here, you got you can see local theaters here, but it's just not as big. Even in LA, you can see things, but it's not fifty different shows every night. Absolutely not. Our, we don't have a theater district. It's it's little pockets in North Hollywood or downtown or mm-hmm. in Hollywood or on the West Side or up in the Valley. There's we just don't have where it's all like centrally located when you can see everything. It's so funny when I was in London, uh, twenty ten, I believe, or maybe it was before that. They don't have, they in London don't have the same <laughs> sort of uh, routines as we have. In New York, an actor or an actress who was in the in a Broadway show would go home immediately after the show, go home and rest if you had a matinee the next day. I'll never forget, I went to go see the producers. A friend of mine was in the ensemble that produces at Drury Lane. And uh, I brought her flowers before the show. And she said, well, meet me at the pub across the street from the theater after the show. I said, great. So the show finished, blah, blah, blah. I walk across the street to the pub and uh, I sit down and I have a drink and she comes in uh, and she says, oh, there's going to be about 12 people coming. And I said, what? It, uh, 12 of my castmates are coming. So literally the guy who played Bialystek, the guy who played Roger Debris, the guy who the guy who played Carmen Ghia and like a bunch of chorus boys and girls, they sat there and smoked and drank for hours after for the show. Hours after the show. I mean, I did too, but I wasn't like. I, and I said, to, I said to one of them, I said, "Don't you have a matinee tomorrow?" And they said, "Oh yeah." And yeah. I said, "Are you kidding? <laughs> like, you're not gonna like rest your voice or not smoke or not drink?" And I said, "No, it'll it'll be there. I'm young. It'll be there. Yeah, it's fine. And if not, there's an understudy to go on." And I thought, "Wow, that's really dedication to your drinking." <laughs> <laughs> Hobby, I guess. <laughs> I just love that they, what almost every country except, well, not every country, um, the civilized countries that have arts and stuff, they just support the arts. They do. It's and government it's, subsidized. Yeah. It is. It's great. They have government run theater programs and everyone goes and it's just a part of the culture over there. <clears throat> Whereas over here, you go to the theater and people look at you funny like, you went to see a theater show? Every major city has uh, some uh, a large theater that has been built. That was a vaudeville house or a roadhouse, um, whether it's Manchester or Liverpool or Edinburgh. They all have big theaters that mm-hmm. if you do a UK tour that maybe starts in London, <clears throat> will go to all those major cities and probably somewhere else in Europe if they want an English show. But um, yeah, that, it's true. The government the government does pay for that. So they want art. They want their people to appreciate the arts and the children to grow up with the arts. Yeah. It's not a badge of shame. Funny thing is, my English friends say that Actors' equity encompasses everything. You know how we have here, say you're in the theater and you're uh, an equity actor or, or, or um, a stage manager. You're under Act AEA. Say you're in film and TV, that's SAG-AFTRA. Mm-hmm. Say you're at a theme park or, or something, or like, uh, uh, it, it's like AGVA, the American Guild of Variety Artists or the American Guild of Musical Artists. Yeah, we have Twin all belongs these... to, <clears throat> what's the opera one? AGMA. AGMA. Musical. Agma, the American Guild of Musical Artists. Musical artists, yeah. Mm-hmm. But in England, equity just covers everything. There's all there's different tiers of pay, but there's no there's not a, a disrespect because you're in one or the other. It's all it's all encompassing. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but but know, then also yeah. everybody's treated the same, true, and equal. And when they negotiate a better contract, it affects everyone. Whereas yeah. I feel out here. Everybody's kind of fighting for their own little piece of the pie. Yes, it's chopped up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. I didn't know that, that they were, Mm -hmm. I mean, I probably assumed they were unionized, but I assumed they, like us. The entire, the whole of the UK, England, Wales, and Scotland can fit inside of Texas. Did you know that? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that makes Texas way too big. (laughs) But yeah, so I guess it's a little easier. You're yeah, more... I think it's easier to control because it's a smaller uh, population in a smaller country, and um, and they and they're not they're producing a lot of work, whether it's film or television or stage 
or commercials, adverts as they call them, um, they're, they're still, uh, they just still can't put out as much uh, volume as something like the United States puts out with our, with our main uh, art uh, centers being New York City and Los Angeles and other places as well. But, but those are, <clears> you think of. Yeah. TV, you think of Hollywood, you think of uh, stage, you think of New York. True, but also Dallas has a, a thriving theater scene. Chicago has had an amazing theater scene yeah. for such a long time. Um, Chicago is like a clean, spacious New York, isn't it? It's like I Sydney likes Chicago. I've that. never been. It, I mean, I think I've been to the airport a couple times. <clears throat> that doesn't count. I was actually really impressed with how clean it was when I was there. And granted, like I was staying downtown in the I don't know jewelry district but like close to the theater it was so cool you would just like walk down the street and i'm you know living in brooklyn for the last 10 years you walk down the street and there's like trash and food scraps and you know Mm -hmm. whatever on the side of the street and the part of chicago that i was in it was just clean there was just no trash anywhere it was was. so amazing i loved chicago i thought it was really cool and they have a large mexican population that you wouldn't know it but like wow like, yeah, exactly. That's a long ways to go from Mexico. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense in the Southwest, in Texas, in California, Arizona, Nevada, yeah. New Mexico, because this that used to be Mexico. But mm-hmm. I was really surprised. I went uh, to the city. I went to this little suburb outside of uh, downtown Chicago called Pilsen, P-I-L-S-E-N. Got the most amazing bon dulce and Mexican food. And <laughs> there was a Mexican-American art museum there. It was, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Nice. Twin. Get jobs there. Go to yeah. the lyric. No, that Boston's uh, the lyric. Whatever Chicago yeah, has. Yeah, no, it's the it's the Chicago. Yeah, lyric is in Chicago. Uh, I have some friends that are there. Well, they were there. I don't think they're there anymore. But they're the ones that like original. Well, was the co-production of House that I just did started at Chicago Lyric and then transferred to Portland. Yeah. See, I need to travel more. Yeah. Having a dog, kind of. <laughs> maybe you'll you drive with a get you know get a get a motorhome or something yeah we were just so talking nice. about that the other day I, I, when i get when i see motorhomes or like those big what are those big silvery ones what are they called they're called the airstreams yes there was right, right around the corner from the westminster theater there was a, a vendor da, like down beach oh yeah they did and i got so excited seeing those those are so awesome <laughs> They're so beautiful on the outside and on the inside. And, you know, they're all tricked out, you know, with a nice mm-hmm. bed. and Yeah, we grew a, up with, what was it, like a 23-foot prowler that was pulled behind our, the red van. Our van. But, yeah. Yeah. And that's how we did vacations all growing up was we had this you trailer. Dog? Yeah, because we had a dog. We went to campsites <laughs> and you could pull over and go to the bathroom when you're in the middle of uh, nowhere. Truly. And- your True. clothes are all in one place. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would love that. I'd love that. The, you know, the, the we great thing. Uh, in Florida two times ago at one of the games, you know, because you're like down in Florida. So there's motorhomes all over the place or, you know, like all these like really fancy RVs for retirement. So I convinced my husband to go in some because I always keep telling him that when we retired, like my plan is to travel and like to just go camping and all this stuff. And he never really takes me seriously. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I convinced him to just like walk into some of these fancy motorhomes because he'd never actually been into any. And then he actually started to get excited about it. And he was talking to the sale representative and because he drives a dump truck for a living, you know, then they actually started about like the mechanics of the truck. And he was like, oh, I could drive one of these. These are about the same size as the truck I drive every day. And I was like, yeah, so we can get a bigger one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on it. Good. Good. They're awesome. They are. They are. They're really, they're really beautiful inside. They make much better use of the space now than they used to, I think. Mm-hmm. When you see the inside yeah. of a motorhome, you're like, wow. You know, the 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 the, the kitchenette, the, the, the place where you eat dinner, that folds out into a bed. And then, mm-hmm. you know, all the shelving is up above so that you have, like, more space. And the beds are Murphy beds and convertibles and the showers are better and a flat screen TV. It's yeah, all the, the flat that, screen TV yeah. and the four burner stove. It's and changed so much. Everything's like chrome and silver. Yeah, and ours beautiful. was all pressed wood and laminate. <laughs> and I think they redid the floor with linoleum once or twice while we owned it. <laughs> Nothing like what people have today. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. Uh, so... This this podcast was a little all over the place trying to find Twin and being late and whatnot, but 
Okay, we can do it again if you want to. I mean, like, yeah, we, in the next... There's so <clears> many <throat> things that people... Like, <laughs> we have so many people, and we're like, yeah, we're going to get back to you at some point. <laughs> okay. We're going we're gonna to come back. Because I still want to talk about, like, your directing, and you've done a lot of stuff out here, um, and how you got back into the theater, because then you went on tour, which isn't local I went LA on stuff. two tours, actually. I mean, I did In the Heights from 2011 to 2012, and then a couple years later, in 2014, they called me... Uh, the same company that did my tour before, Worklight Productions out of New Jersey, they asked me to audition for Senator Max Evergreen in Nice Work If You Can Get It, which was a, it was such a great part to play. I had a gray wig and little Joe Kennedy glasses, but I was a conservative, <laughs> pompous Republican politician. <laughs> it, me, this Mexican boy from Los Angeles, uh, in this re- Nice Work If You Can Get It is a great show. It's really funny and it's got Gershwin tunes. And I was so against type, but I had such a blast playing this role. It was, it was really really fun <laughs> so yeah i'd love to talk to you more about about my touring life and about my directing gigs and uh, and also about tenor by night which that's something we should talk about too how you and i have become involved in like a brand new work that uh, a very ambitious Im- chinese immigrant has written mm-hmm. um that has an operatic feel to it which is kind of un kind of out of the ordinary uh it has a, a you know a non-provocative family-based story uh we worked on the workshop there's obviously going to be further iterations of it you know that 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 uh that it, it needs fine-tuning on mm-hmm. this but, was just uh, the first oh yeah and he did kind of a staged reading when he graduated cal mm-hmm. arts and then we did a couple performances at the rose which was just a very rough how do we tech a show that's never been teched with the company that's never gone through tech? And uh, in two weeks, we move up to El Portal. Mm-hmm. So, okay, then maybe we'll come back after that. We're still trying to get Amy and James. I was supposed to meet with them last week, and then they went down to the vineyard. And I was like, but I want to do it before we do El Portal <laughs> so we can put it out and be like, Promote it. Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah, so many things. That's just it. People are like, how long's a podcast? I'm like, we try to go an hour. <laughs> and then we just start talking and you never know where it's going to end up. I mean, this is the second podcast this week we've recorded that ended up with motorhomes and touring, <laughs> <laughs> which we don't plan. It's because we all we're love all travel. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're stuck in theaters so often that we're like, yeah. I want to I want to break free. Yeah, I want to go do something else. I'm not here. I don't want to, but I don't want to sit in traffic. But it's, but you know, you know how intense our people don't realize how intense our jobs really are. They think, oh, you're just memorizing lines, or you're just calling things, Mm -hmm. or you're building, and they think that our lives are very. It's ridiculously intense, and you have even longer days than I do. But when we have, but it's for shorter periods. Like it's really a short job for a couple weeks, but it's really intense. And then when you get time to breathe, you're not really breathing because you're looking for the next job to do of course a super intense of long course thing. yeah it's it's what's the what's the on the next page the next chapter you're writing of this of this uh this job story because our jobs are really transient you know they don't they don't unless unless you're 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 lodged in there as an artistic director or as a, a production uh you're part of the the personnel of the of the theater mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of people that just come and go you know they here and there so but that's kind of good i was thinking about that this morning i was going yeah our jobs you know if you can look at it from a negative point of view god your job is so transitory you work really intensely with these people for two months or three months or eight months or whatever it is and you're like yeah but if i hate somebody i only have to work with them exactly benny benny brought his own uh, sound effects <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. Pardon me. <laughs> he had applause when I introduced him. I'm going to sing a high C. Ah, well, okay. I broke <laughs> I'm a child. It's all right. <laughs> or some people call them actors. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all the same. But yeah, no, I mean, you get to meet people that you really like, and then you meet people you don't really like, and you're like, yeah, in a couple of weeks, I won't really have to deal I'll be, with you I'll ever be rid again. of you. That's okay. Yeah. That's, but that's what I loved about my cruise ship contracts is like, even if it was, I was, I was working alongside singers I didn't care for, or dancers that complained a lot. I, it wasn't forever. You know, I knew at the end of July, boom, we're gone. Yeah. So I don't ever have to work with you again. But but you don't, but the great thing is on the on the other end of the scale sometimes you meet people and like your tri- your tribe you're my tribe you like you're we're family you know it's Yeah been, and then I'll see you in 3 years or 2 weeks exactly. or whenever and be like oh hey what you been up to and you're catching up on projects or we'll see each other on social media like oh that's what you've been doing. it's so great um and you meet people who who remain friends your whole life that mm-hmm. that don't 
that that don't have to that that don't hold a knife over your head because you haven't called them for six months. Yeah. You've been out. You've been out working. You've been out doing stuff. They've been busy too. Absolutely. That, the great thing about the cruise line too, like if three ships of our, three princess ships were in like you know Juneau, Alaska, or we were all down in Fort Lauderdale today on the same day, um, we could all meet up at a bar and like it was so great to catch up and see how you know what's going on on your ship, but what's going, what have you heard, and, and yeah, what's like, the drama behind? Yeah, the scenes? <laughs> what are you doing after this? You know, like uh, it's always nice to hear what people's oh so and so is getting married as I'm going to this ship to do an inaugural you know we're going to do the European uh, season uh, yeah it's always nice to, to catch up with people in our in our circles yeah, yeah it's, it's we... funny I did a allegiance with cricket who I brought in to do sound for tenor by night she's incredible but between the two uh, she was in Omaha with Cindy doing a show and so small world that I've now done Two projects with Cricket since January, and Cindy's done a project with Cricket. <laughs> and not even in the same in states. In Omaha, nonetheless. Yeah, in wow. Omaha. Yeah, she's a, she's very well known here in Southern California. Yeah. Every ovation award ceremony, there's her name. There's her yeah, name. I keep hearing it. She's one of the I... people who uh, does the goes around and watch. She's always, if she's not working, she's at a show, seeing a show. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and a very nice lady, too. She's yeah. Really cool. I don't know how she spends any time at home with her cat. <laughs> but I guess that's why she has a cat. <laughs> it's independent. Exactly. It's not like a dog. Like, <laughs> yeah. Pet me. Feed me. Scratch yeah. me. I'm gonna whine because I'm stuck in the bedroom by myself. <laughs> He's been really good right now, though. He's laying on his side with his with his front yeah. paws crossed. Don't let it fool you. Looking out the window. Because we already door. spent an hour at the vet today. <laughs> He's a good boy. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to be late to our next meeting, Benny, but. Oh my gosh, we are. That's all right. One, one final quick question. You got any good twin stories? They don't have to be theater or cruise ship related. Do I have any good twin stories? Know any, work with any, play any? When I went to college in, uh, in the eighties, I worked with a set of twins. They were fraternal twins. Um, they had a very funny set of parents. Oscar, the father, was this loudmouth Jewish guy who was just, I mean, he was like Miracle Max from <laughs> The Princess Bride. Sweetie, sweetie, come over here. Like, he was so hilarious. And then the wife was from, I believe from, her name was Virginia, but she was from North Carolina, I believe. This little Southern lady, very sweet. And very, but when she had a temper, ooh, Lord. Anyway, they had these twins, Kim and Don, who are still my dear friends. Kim lives in Fort Lauderdale, married a Cuban diver that she met on a cruise ship. And my friend Dawn lives in Fontana out in... Um, uh, yeah, we grew in, up in, in Redlands. Yes, so we... in the in San, San Bernardino area. And um, they're they're like night and day. They're as different as they can be. And they, they don't look alike. Dawn looks like her mother. Kim looks like her father. But there's a funny uh, thing. Kim was so... When we were in college together at Citrus doing our thing, our our... our glee show choir thing um kim was the more motivated one and wanted to be in entertainment but she got a cruise ship contract she married a diver and it all went away she had dreams of going to new york she had she was really really talented and very ambitious dawn on the other hand kind of went into traditional work and now dawn sings tap dances and so the the (laughs) twin that always kind of was like like, along for the ride but along for the ride behind the scenes ended up being the one who is a more artistic ex- artistically expressive person than the other one yeah that's but, funny uh, i know we don't um we're not the art i mean i guess we're artistic you're or in whatnot, the arts but, you're involved in the arts yeah, yeah but we definitely we believe there's a balance and i don't know how it works with fraternal twins but there's a balance when cindy loses weight i gain weight and when cindy stopped biting her nails i started biting my nails and if one of us is listening to country music the other one gets country music so there's kind of well, there's like this psychic ties exactly even though you're far apart right so that's probably with those twins that one of them it was a big goal and just kind of bled over to the <laughs> other one and the other one's like well this is what's happening now yeah following these and dreams. i think the parents kind of like they pin their hopes on Kim, thinking that she's going to go to New York and she's going to be this, you know, well-known actress and everything. And it all just kind of fell away when she got married and started having children and moved to Florida. And didn't I said, "Oh, you're an old Jew. You moved to Florida. Exactly. <laughs> Theater down there. What are you going to do? You can play baseball and you can go but, to Disneyland." Uh, they lost both their parents about three years ago. Uh, pretty pretty much within like 
a month of each other. The mother wow. had had Alzheimer's. I'm sorry to end on a sad note. Um, they were they were like parents to me. I loved them so much. Virginia had Alzheimer's, and Oscar was taking care of her. He had a blood clot, and he passed. And then about two weeks later, she followed. It was very it was unbelievable how sad it was. But these two women are they're extraordinary, and I love them. And the memories that I have of their fun. I worked at a video store in Downey for them. <laughs> hey. Hey, I, I need the, I need those videos over here. And like he was he was a one of a kind Oscar. He was hilarious. But uh, yeah, twins ran in their family. They had they had they had another set of twins. I think they were cousins. But yeah, yeah, yeah fraternals were... seem to run in the family. Yeah, and I do. It's funny. I do know another uh, set of twins, Daniel and Matthew Montgomery, who I worked with last year. They're identical twins. One is a screenwriter, and one is a playwright and an actor. And they're nice. yeah, and they just moved here from. Uh, Somewhere in the East Coast, I can't recall. But um, yeah, it's interesting how, you know, the, the the businesses that twins get into sometimes reflect each other or mm-hmm. sometimes go hand in hand. That's that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, we both went through theater, but she did stage management and I did technical directing. Yeah, because you both wanted to work. Yeah. <laughs> you both wanted a paycheck. And we didn't want to be on stage. <laughs> Yeah, but I was always like, I don't like people. And oh, waitress, would... uh, actress, waitress. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's yeah. I don't know how actors have to do it all the time. Yeah. I interview for jobs, but oh, the whole auditioning process. It's it's, it's it's kind of brutal. I had five auditions last week. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. And just the constant being turned down is not because you suck, but because, no, just because you're, you're too not tall what we, or you're not what we need or... right now. You're yeah. just not what we need at this moment. Mm-hmm. You know. But the good thing is, like. Getting in front of uh, people, sending them videos, or st- or performing in front of them at a table, uh, gets you. Uh, it sticks in their mind. Now I know when I'm sitting on the other side of the table as a director, there are actors and actresses that I go, "Ah, oh, you're not right for this project, but ooh, I want to work with you again." Yeah, and I you remember knew those I wanted people. to work with Andrea Samara, the little Filipino who's playing Amy in the show. Mm-hmm. She's auditioned for me twice for In the Heights, and I'm like, "You're so talented, you're so lovely. I want to use you, but I need to hire a Latina in this role, not." not a filipina and i'm like i'm working with her i'm like we're gonna write it we're gonna write an asian musical yes and and, uh, and and make her the star because she's 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 dynamic she's really wonderful very friendly which is also goes a long way i'm telling you uh you you got to be theater is such a collaborative art you've Mm got to be friendly if anything is like when you work on film and tv i've noticed when i go on recorded gigs you know like film and tv it's so quick and it's so impersonal. You get in there, you do your thing, and you get out. But theater, we have to build that family. We have to get to know each other. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, if you don't get to know, if if you're an actor in the thing and you don't get to know the conductor or the or the or the or the tech supervisors or the lighting person, you're really shooting yourself in the foot because these are the people that make bigger decisions down the line and these are the people that you should be nice to because you do want to work with them again maybe you'll become a director maybe you'll become a lighting person maybe you'll start working in costumes and these are the people that are more professional and more collaborative and aren't you know oh i'm just here to sing my song and get off the stage (laughs) you know what i mean like that's unfortunately what some actors do they they come in there like oh where's my light okay and then they leave but getting to know where's my light we're yeah. lucky if they do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I just, I've, I've always, it's always been very, very important to me to get to know. Do you know what's so funny? Let me give you a real quick story. I was in Clemson, South Carolina, and we were doing In the Heights. I was still flying from working with the original creative team in New York City for two and a half weeks. They flew us down to Clemson, and we, we got into the theater for the first time and saw this amazing set, and the lights were like all over the place. They were like the nightclub, shh, like reds and greens and blues. And I walked over, you know, we were on a break, and I walked over to the, and I saw this really tall, older man. And I said, hi, hi, I'm Benny. And he goes, hi, I'm Howell. And I was like, Howell Binkley? And he said, yeah. And I said, the Tony award-winning lighting designer from Broadway? He said, yeah. And I said, what are you doing here in Clemson, South Carolina? (laughs) He's like, I wanted to make sure that my lights were being programmed correctly for your tour. And I said, that is remarkable. Yeah, you're... These people had their hands all over it. They wanted to make sure that the tour that we sent out across the United States had the original fingerprints on it, you know? Yeah, because that's what that, everyone was going to see. Absolutely, absolutely. So I was so impressed that I got to meet him. And and when I did Nice Work, if you can get it, I met Bill Elliott, the orchestrator of the thing. And like, he nice. was such a nice man. And like, so the people that are part of the creative teams are much more... They're much more in my orbit now, maybe because I'm 53 and because the <laughs> because the actors... 
are are not an accessory, but they kind of are an accessory. They're they're mm-hmm. they're they're in it for the for the for the for the part. They're in it for the role. They're in it for the experience. They're in it for the money. Um, but I think people who are part of the production and the tech and the creative teams, they have much more. They 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 look a little further ahead. And actors should always be nice to the people that work backstage or the doing the lights and the sound and the costumes. They um, you never know when they're going to work with them again or who's going to say. You know, unfortunate things about you as as a, as a professional. Yeah, I I don't. There's no way to really teach this except just to talk to people. But it's yeah. like, yeah, as a TD, I don't have a huge say in who gets cast, but I have a huge say on if you get cast again. <laughs> if the same director likes me, yeah. Or yeah. if you're going to be a pain in the ass, and I'll be like, well, then he doesn't get extra. You know, we don't I would give him more chances. Recommend that person again. Exactly, yeah. and the. Even though I'm tech, I talk to the directors and all that. I'm in the production meetings. I know what's going on. Whereas what actor is like, nope, I don't like that TD. It's like, no, that's not going to. But we need your feedback because if there's somebody that's problematic, you could help us dodge a bullet. You could help help the creative team uh, have less um, issues and problems than they need. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's already, I mean, like you and I just working on Tanner by Night for the past month and a half. That has been a world. It's been like a hurricane. Yeah. And some of the decisions that have been made, some of the the uh, the uh, situations that we have been put in, have been really stressful and mm-hmm. un- unfortunate and sometimes unnecessary. But it's all part of the program of like, how do we, you know, even if it feels disastrous on Thursday night, <laughs> somehow on Friday and Saturday it all come, magically comes together. Yeah. All's well that ends well. You, you know? have sixteen hour days of eating <laughs> one and a half meals, but it, it comes together. It but it... uh, it's the magic of theater. It really truly is. We we all the actors rise, the tech rises, um, you know, the audience makes a huge difference. It's mm-hmm. it's that's that's what the alchemy of it all is so is so important to uh, to remember. But a couple nice people backstage go a long way, and a couple bad people backstage go a long way. Oh, it's like it's already yeah. stressful. I don't need to it's put a up with somebody else and doing I, it. You know, when I talk to young actors, I go, "It's a workplace. Don't forget that. This is show business. It's not show friends." So, yeah. even though you're singing, acting, performing, artistically expressing yourself, it's business, and you need to conduct yourself with with respect for yourself and other people, and you need to have, a, you know, you need to. to deportment you need to conduct yourself in a professional manner you don't cause trouble you don't you, you know if you have a question ask it you know, sensibly don't 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 be a troublemaker because people remember you mm-hmm. and and i uh, you so many times i thought someone should be let go but they don't because the the inconvenience of having to replace that person or rehearse them or, mm-hmm. or whatever and the new costumes and of they have course, to learn the track and all that. So they let a troublemaker. But like I said, I tell I tell young actors, it's a workplace. You're going to have somebody to look up to. You're going to have somebody who's a leader. You're going to have somebody who's a follower. You're going to have somebody who's a troublemaker, an instigator. It's a workplace. You're going to have all those elements. Yeah, you put any group of people together, mm-hmm. it's like an episode of Survivor, somewhere. Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Sometimes there's more drama backstage oh, than there is on stage. Absolutely true. <laughs> then they're like, that show went great. And backstage, everyone's like, oh, Jesus. Uh, you know, <laughs> How yeah, did like we even get through that Pat in their forehead with a, with a napkin like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dude, you got any other questions before we uh, wrap up? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she needs a cup of coffee. Twins in. Cup of tea. And a biscuit. No, I Opera got this, like, this emergency meeting like right before this. That lasted two and a half hours long. So now I have oh. four pages of notes that I'm trying to take out. So sorry. See, this is twin life because we're about to go do that. We're about to go to a meeting. at least, yeah. We're going to be late to a meeting. But a we're long be, meeting. Uh, that yeah. We had a meeting last week that was like three and a half hours. And we talked in circles. Yeah. So now we're going to do it again today and see what happens. <laughs> Mine was in circles. Like we made awesome progress on this meeting, but I just have this list of follow up on this, pull pictures for this, figure out if we're allowed to like load in chairs and tables while crew are on break, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, that's probably what I should be doing. But well, Cindy, it was very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, and I look forward to talking to you again about. Are you coming out to California again at all? Uh, what were you thinking? Be there in March, March. I think might be the next time. Hmm. Maybe earlier, but definitely March because our brother's getting married. So we're planning a trip out there. 
Ah, cool. Well, let's get together for a, a margarita or yeah, a white Russian. Favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, white Russians are my favorite, so. <laughs> Perfect. Cricket will be there too. If tequila's involved, cricket. Yes, yes. Tequila, tequila. <laughs> okay, we got to run away. And uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank Pete. you, Stacy and Cindy. I had a great time. I look forward to doing it again soon. And you got to pet Doggington. All right. Ciao. Bye bye. <laughs> Doggington. Bye, Twin. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com. And subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.